0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. There's a whole bunch of cool stuff to talk about, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Retro Access has just announced a new line of cables they're calling a FortiFlex, which are going to be fully shielded cables, but not the 75-ohm coax that they were making. And to be honest, in most cases, you probably wouldn't see a difference between fully shielded and coax anyway. Um, But this one's focused on functionality as opposed to squeezing every ounce of performance out of it, and I love both of those things. Um, This one right now offers both the Saturn and Genesis 2 cable in right-angle adapters, which is something that is really important for things like the CDX or the Genesis 3. And people like to mock the Genesis 3, it's freaking awesome with the triple bypass in it. So, you know, as you can see here, this is one of their 75 ohm coax cables that's kind of... I mean, you need a lot of space on the side. It kind of defeats the purpose of having a small little unit like this. So having a right angle adapter would be really helpful. Uh, so I ordered both one of their pigtail adapters that they're offering, um, as well as an actual Genesis 2 cable. And i'll be able to test this thing out but i mean if it's like all the other retro access cables of the past few years i'm sure it'll be fine so if you don't hear anything from me that means it performs exactly as it should just with a cool little right angle pigtail and i'll probably post on twitter just to show but um people with uh, tight setups i think this would be a giant help i know like cousin scott for example still uses primarily his uh, rgb cart and being able to squeeze an extra inch out of this by you know not having the cable stick out in the side would be kind of a big deal for him. so I'm sure that's where the cable I bought will end up and'll uh, um, I'll post pictures, but should just be a good performing cable with a cool right angle adapter. Ben Venn has just announced that his Lynx LCD kit is ready for production. And he's deciding between two different designs, either a solderless design where there's no soldering at all. You just unscrew the old LCD and lamp, screw in the new one, insert the ribbon cable, and you're done. Or one where you solder in nine different wires. But that also adds the option to change brightness using the backlight button and enable scan lines um, through the backlight button as well. So I kind of wish he would do both because there's so many people out there that would love to do this that maybe don't have modern friends that would just wanna plug in a new screen and be done with it. However, I've done a lot of testing on consoles with new LED screens, backlight mods and all that stuff. And one thing I've always found is that you need to be able to change the brightness. It's just, you know, if you're out on a sunny day, it's never bright enough. And if you're in a dark room, it absolutely is too bright. You know, um, there absolutely is a possibility of it being too bright. So, uh, hopefully, if he has to pick between one of the two, he'll pick the soldered method, but I do think solderless kits absolutely have a place, especially if then you could... You know, what about a combination of both, Ben? I don't know if you watch this at all, but what about a solderless design where if people choose to, they could then solder wires to the pads on that? Hey, who knows? Maybe that one will be implemented, but the price is expected to be around 50 and at the time of shooting this, there was no purchase or pre-order information. So I assume that sales will be through shop.benven.com and that he'll continue to post updates right on his Facebook page. But it's cool to see the links getting some love. And, um, you know, I, I, I definitely think that all of those handhelds deserve good backlit screens because, once again, only opinion. But when you have a cell phone that you could buy for $100 nowadays, just a, you know a low-end garbage model cell phone, the screen performs infinitely better. People today, including retro gamers, tend to be used to the better screens. So, going back to a Lynx or a Game Gear is pretty hard for me personally. So, I'd love to see all these LCD upgrades for all this stuff. So, awesome work, Ben. Hopefully, you could come up with a solderless version that then people could choose to solder to if they would like. The Nintendo DS game Nino Kuni has just gotten an English translation. And I didn't realize how important this was until my buddy Beast sent me the info on it. Um, I honestly just thought this was another cool Japanese translation, except I didn't realize that while, yes, the game was translated to English, the original game also requires a manual that's over 300 pages in order to play the game. So a group of people first translated both the game and the manual to Spanish, And then they just finished translating the whole thing to English as well, ending up in over 350 pages. So, I mean, once I realized that's what the big deal was, I was totally blown away. I mean, that's a pretty huge achievement and kind of makes me want to try the game just to see what it's like. So uh, a huge thank you to all the people involved with all of these language translations, especially the ones that are this crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still appreciate and love the afterburner language translations, but stuff like this really is above and beyond. So awesome work to the teams doing it in two different languages. Uh, And thanks again to Beast for passing it along. There's now a Kickstarter campaign that's aiming to remix some of the music inspired by the Amiga Power magazine. Uh, I guess the compilation is going to be a two-disc set, and the first disc will be based off selections made from former contributors to the Amiga Power magazine, and the second disc is inspired by games that actually appeared as cover discs on the Amiga Power magazine. So it's uh, it seems to be a pretty neat compilation with some tracks being remixed by the original authors and others by different musicians, but it seems to have just started and it looks like it's three quarters of the way funded. So uh, if you're into Amiga music and want to hear something different and cool, give this one a check out, uh, check this one out and see what you think. Pre-orders on the Sega Genesis Mini are now open in all regions. The price is about $80 with a target release date of September 20th. Now, this thing's been delayed a lot, so I would take that release date with a grain of salt, but other than that, the price is out, and it's, uh, there's going to be U.S., North American, and Japanese versions. They've uh, they've announced a few of the games, and they're calling it Wave 1. So some of the games are a pretty big deal, like Castlevania Bloodlines, uh, Gunstar Heroes, and of course, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, but Castlevania and Gunstar are pretty expensive games, so if the emulation's good, that alone might be worth it for some people to pick up and play, just for a decent way to play it. Um, There's no telling what the other games are going to be. Maybe there's going to be different games for different regions, maybe not. And I honestly don't don't know why they would only announce it in waves. Is it just a hype thing so that gives them an excuse to do a press release every month? Or I'm wondering if they're trying to see how many pre-orders they get, To see if uh, they get enough money to buy some of the other licensed games who knows that's all speculation but um, the one interesting thing is that u.s and european versions are getting three button controllers with it and the japanese version will be getting will be sold in two different models one with one six button controller and the other with two six button controllers Um, so for people uh, on north america or europe the RetroBit official Genesis USB controllers are so cheap that I don't think it would be a total detriment to buying this thing. You could just pick up a six-button controller after the fact. Um, and if you do that, if you uh, please contact me and I'll buy the three-button one right. off you. Uh, I'm very excited that there's finally love for those Genesis three-button controllers. I've always thought they were so comfortable and I really enjoyed using them. And it's definitely not nostalgia, because that only lasts about a minute when you sit down to really play a game. You know, I could totally see myself doing something like, oh, I used to love this controller, you know, it feels the same as it used to, but then a minute into the game, that's useless. Now you need a controller that works. And that never happens to me. I always, that is my go to controller for Genesis and Master System, uh, and I guess Game Gear when you're playing through a TV method. So I'm very excited for those. In my personal opinion, while $80 would be a bit expensive for just two USB controllers, I think it's worth it to me just so I could uh, have those to use with the Mr. and maybe other platforms. And who knows, maybe the emulation will be great. Um, you know, the NES and SNES Classic, in my opinion, are consoles that are perfect for people who who just want to experience those old games in a way that doesn't stink, where there's no effort. You don't have to go mod a Raspberry Pi, you just plug it in and it works. I think from that perspective, they're excellent devices. They're certainly not for people that already own a PVM or a BVM and, you know, a modded one chip. And I'm hoping that the Genesis one will be the same way. Um, If the emulation is good enough, it would be a great go-to thing for people that just want something that works. Uh, and I think a lot of people have pointed out that the team that's making this now it has done great work in the past, but please don't forget the whole corporate thing. They can make the most perfect emulation box on the planet, and if a corporate entity steps in and says, yeah, we need it to be cheaper, we're going to switch the video chips, it's nothing you could do. So uh, that'll remain to be seen. I hope it's awesome. I hope it's not the PlayStation Classic, but either way, I'm excited for the controllers. So we'll see. Next, I'd like to welcome Ben Abersh's first post and first official contribution to the site. Ben was the person last year who got my g Switch Metal Edition Powder Coated Black. Uh, I would show video of that, but all of the videos I had posted online get taken down because I used Dio's Rainbow in the Dark to talk about my metal case. Uh, but anyway, um, right now Ben has just posted his design for a 3D printed case for the GC Plug version 2. So if I'm remembering correctly, the original GC plug was designed by Dan Citrus 3000 PSI, and the case was made by Greg Collins, and it required you to kind of hand-build the connector that went in. So you could 3D print the end piece that goes into the digital connector, and then you'd have to insert pins into that, and it looked like a pretty tedious project. So with Insurrection Industries now selling their GameCube digital connector, The GC Plug version 2 was updated, so you could just solder it right in. And Ben has done a 3D print design that allows you to connect it right to that. So uh, it's pretty handy for anybody that likes do-it-yourself projects like this. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of fun to be able to put something like this together, and especially with Insurrection Industries taking... by far the most tedious part away, so you could just buy the connector. So anybody interested, I'm hosting the design files right up on the site, and uh, check out the post by Ben. And uh, thanks very much to Ben. Here's something I'm very excited that I got to participate in. A while back, um, Todd from Todd's Nerd Cave had posted a full article about enforcers testing on the wireless controllers. So he had determined that the joys in the 8-bit do's uh, 2.4 gigahertz controllers were fine with just a few milliseconds of lag, but their Bluetooth ones had quite a bit of lag. Well, I had asked Enforcer if he wouldn't mind writing up a guide that describes exactly how he did all of the tests, both kind of like as a show-your-work type of thing and so other people could test as well. And Enforcer did. Uh, the, he wrote a very detailed guide that showed everything that you would need to do with an, in, uh, an inexpensive oscilloscope in order to test lag. So, anybody interested, definitely check the guide out, but the first thing I wanted to do is test two of the custom controllers I've had made in the past few years. Um, I tested the MC Cthulhu and the Brook Fighting Board that are in uh, both in separate sticks of mine, and both are going through the Undammed adapters. And they both uh, performed very, very well. A lot better than I had expected. Um, So first, I tested a Neo Geo controller directly into an MVS. So that is essentially your zero lag solution, because Neo Geos are just on-off switches, essentially. And that's exactly what the scope showed. It showed like 10 US, which is a fraction of a millisecond or something. Definitely would call that as your baseline of zero. Uh, So then I, I tested the other ones, and... The Brook fighting in the Undamped adapter only had one millisecond lag, and the MC Cthulhu through the undammed had it averaged uh, one point five to two, with spikes of higher. But we're talking about we're talking about latency that even pro fighting game people probably wouldn't notice. Um, the chances of of your button press landing in a spot with one millisecond of lag that would affect the gameplay is very very slim. So you know these are solid solutions. Now I will point out, of course, that um, this is the total solution here. So using the MC Cthulhu with a different output um, or using just Undammed with, a, with a, a different USB controller, per se, that might have different results. And this is the first time that I've tested all of this stuff. So while I did check my work, send it to Enforcer to make sure I was testing right, it's still a pretty cool baseline to go by. So um, I believe Undammed does some pretty crazy magic with his that uh, overclocks the MC Cthulhu to allow for things like this. But overall, the combinations that I tested seem great. If you have a slightly different co- uh, combination of anything, please test yourself. And one thing that I was definitely interested in is both the Brook fighting and the MC Cthulhu have passed through. So unless I'm not understanding this correctly, because I'm by no means a controller expert, you hook up... The uh, you know, all of your buttons to these boards, and then they have their processing on it that go out through the usually an RG45 or a USB jack. But there's also pass through terminals on there, and you could use it when that board isn't even powered up. So, on the Brook fighting board, the pass through worked perfect, it was the same, you know, zero ish lag as just a single button push. Uh, But I was getting weird results on the MC Cthulhu, which could very well have been the way I was testing. Once again, it's my first time doing it. Um, It was pretty easy once you get used to it, but maybe I bumped a button. So I have to retest the MC Cthulhu's pass-through. But for now, uh, the Brook fighting was very impressive. So uh, anybody that's interested in this stuff, if you would like, I'll gladly do a follow-up. There's a few people out there that are always doing amazing lag tests and doing uh, using different methods. So you know, this is something that I'd certainly like to participate in and maybe someday do a video on. But I'm just really excited that we now all have the ability to buy a you know if you get it on sale a $300 scope and be able to use it for video signals. Now for testing lag, it's just a uh, it's pretty cool the things we've been able to do. So. Thank you to Enforcer. Thanks to Steve from HD Retrovision for teaching us how to use a scope. Uh, And anybody interested, please check out the pages on the website, as well as just the oscilloscope section that links to all this stuff so you could learn how to do this, and uh, links to the correct one to buy if you're interested. So it's pretty exciting. Now I know that uh, you know I, I always suspected that this combination had essentially zero lag, nothing I would notice. Because I am very sensitive to lag, but having the peace of mind and oscilloscope captures to prove it, uh, it's nice to know that when I'm sitting down the rare moment I could play you know, UMK3 or Mortal Kombat that I'm doing it with the right equipment and it's not going to take away from the experience. The arcade game Bad Dudes was ported to a few different platforms, but never the Sega Genesis, which is strange because that seems like it would have been a perfect fit. And now the developer Nicholas Hamill is doing just that and making his own port of Bad Dudes for the Genesis. He's even getting help from Matt Phillips, the creator of Tanglewood. So this is going to turn out to be something pretty interesting. Uh, I'm not sure how far along they are, although it seems like it's it's still in an alpha phase, but I would really love to try this game out and see how it looks on the Genesis. So very awesome that people are still keeping the spirit of this stuff alive and uh, looking forward to trying it out. The 2018 homebrew game for the TurboGrafx and PC Engine called FX Unit Yuki was just released on the Sega Genesis as well, Um, and there's still a few interesting caveats about it. Um, People can now purchase the game in a full case with cartridge, so it'll show up uh, looking and feeling like an actual Genesis game, but there's only going to be 100 copies of the game without a restock, so anybody looking to do so should pick one up right away for $50. But there seem to be some weird caveats with these. Supposedly, it'll only work on a Model 1 Genesis, which doesn't really make sense depending on a few different things. Um, The one thing I could think of is maybe it's an issue with the audio chip, but it looks like Raycommend has tested it with the Mega SG, Super Retro Trio, and a VA7 Model 1 Genesis, which is essentially a Genesis 2 and a Genesis 1. So, I'm not really sure why the game wouldn't work. Uh, I guess Ray also tested it on a Retron 5 and it just displays a garbled screen, so not quite sure what's going on with those. Uh, It seemed like a pretty neat game, but I don't really know about these cartridges that don't don't work like that. I'm not sure if um, if it's something where a ROM on a ROM cart would work in all consoles and it's just this particular cartridge, but I'm not really sure. Uh, either way, uh, DB Electronics took a look at the pictures and said it's certainly not voltage, they're the proper voltage on it. But either way, uh, as strange as that might be, it seems like a pretty cool game and something I would like to at least check out. So if you're interested, check out all the links and uh, Ray's full write-up, um, and hopefully there's some, there'll be some clarification on whether there's a ROM and if that will work on ROM carts or any other devices. Darksoft has just posted new firmwares for both the multi-MVS and new multi-AES cartridge. Uh, And there's a few bug fixes and options. And my favorite option is the ability to boot directly to the game list. Because that was really my only complaint of the Darksoft cart in that... When you used it in a multi-slot MVS, it made it feel like you were using a real MVS, but those of us that just prefer the standard ROM card approach of loading the list and picking your game, it wasn't quite as as user-friendly, I guess is the better way to put it. So, um, I have not received my AES card yet, I believe it's uh, being shipped right now, so I'm really looking forward to trying out the new firmware and booting directly to the game list to see how that works. Um, but, either way, if you own these carts already, uh, always just update the latest firmware, because there's always good bug fixes and uh, stability things going on, so thanks to Darksoft for continuing to keep up with these, and I'm looking forward to getting my AES cart. The Retro Tink Ultimate is now back in stock, uh, and I think this thing's been out of stock for quite a long time, so it's a little bit of a big deal that it's back. For anybody that's not sure what the RetroTINK Ultimate is, it's a little bit confusing because the RetroTINK 2X is the scaler that takes 240p and scales it to 480p with zero lag and uh, you know just does a great job doing it. The RetroTINK Ultimate is a Raspberry Pi hat, as they're called, that plugs onto the top of a Raspberry Pi and outputs uh, VGA, RGB, Component Video, Composite Video, and S-Video. So essentially, this is the one that you would want to buy if you need multiple outputs, either multiple at the same time, or you just want to be able to use your Raspberry Pi setup on a multitude of different devices. Um, This one and the RGB Pi are definitely my favorites, although I think they have two slightly different use cases. But either way, I'm happy it's back in stock. It's a really great choice for Raspberry Pi gaming. Um, And if anybody wants more info on this, I put the uh, links in the same post to the hardware comparison that kind of goes into detail about why this may or may not be the best choice for you. But my personal opinion, which has not changed in quite a long time, over a year now, the RetroTINK Ultimate and RGB Pi are the go-tos for Raspberry Pi gaming. Just choose which one you want based on your total setup and uh, your use case. So uh, glad Mike got these back in stock, and hopefully we can get a cool 3D case for them soon. The GameCube homebrew software Swiss has just been updated to revision 646, and for anybody unfamiliar, Swiss is software that can be booted on a non-modded GameCube, so just with an Action Replay and an SD reader, and will allow you to do things like boot other homebrew, or even take original GameCube discs and do things like forced aspect ratio, forced resolution, and really a whole bunch of other, just a long list of awesomeness. To be honest, whenever I use my GameCube, which isn't as often these days, the first thing I do is just look to see what the latest version of Swiss is and update. Because I run it off an SD card, not a DVD-R. So, free software, free to upgrade, I just do it. Um, The full list of updates to these uh, last two revisions, since the last time I talked about it, is in the post. Um, to be perfectly honest, though, whenever I see these, I skim the post to see if there's a feature I'd like to try out, and very often there is it's something like, ooh, you know, can't wait to see what this does. But most of the time, I just skim it, put on the new version, and continue to use it as is, because there's so many updates to that that are, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes updates that you wouldn't even really notice in the GUI, and they're always making it better. So, sorry to gush over it. I'm just a huge fan of Swiss, and of course, Game Boy interface. And these things kind of go hand-in-hand, hand too, because booting Game Boy Interface from Swiss is easier and get you a nice GUI. So thanks very much to the team to continually update this awesome piece of software. And honestly, if you're a GameCube owner that needs to do any kind of tweaking or homebrew at all, it's just the easiest thing to get an action replay. You can get disc-only for most versions. I'm pretty sure every version I've tried, you can just pick up the disc and then you can get a super cheap SD card memory reader and use those together. So for like 10-20 bucks, you plus the cost of an SD card, you can get all of this uh, all of these features and be able to run homebrew. Seems like kind of a no-brainer to me. So anybody interested, check out the post. And lastly, the Mega SG jailbreak firmware was just released and it works great. It supports not only Genesis and Master System, but also the SG 1000 games, which is to be expected, Game Gear ROMs, and even ColecoVision ROMs, because I think the uh, SMS and the Coleco were so close together that they might as well have just thrown that core in as well. But it's pretty awesome. It's exactly what you would expect. Um, it's not an officially supported firmware. Uh, I think they just do that for legal reasons, but it's it's the safest jailbreak you could ever imagine you cannot break the console you can go back to official firmware at any time and it allows you to dump roms from all of those consoles on the sd card just make sure you have it properly formatted like the link says um, and you could just play all those games i really hope that they still plan on releasing the game gear cartridge adapter because while i usually prefer roms for convenience i still think there's an occasion or two where You know, maybe my brother or cousin would come over and we take the original Game Gear cartridge that we've had since kids and plug it in and be able to play something. You know, there's something to be said for that. I think there's a lot of reasons why you would or wouldn't want to be using your original cartridges. I just hope that they allow that ability by selling that and also by um, finally releasing the RGB analog output adapter for it. Um, You know, I realize Kevin's only one person, Uh, so it's unfair of us to to think that he could do all of this stuff at the same time, but now that the Mega SG is released, hopefully Kevin could have time, or hopefully Analog would allow Kevin the time to finish that up and release it, and I certainly hope there's cool features. Like, it would be great if the Analog adapter had a 35 millimeter jack for 3D glasses, because it's useless on a flat screen, but if you have an Analog adapter, you're playing on a CRT, so maybe now you could play all of those pretty cool SMS 3D games. And heck, I think there's even one Super Nintendo 3D game, so maybe with this adapter, you'd, you know, you could play that on the Super NT. Who knows? I just hope Kevin thinks of it. There may be an optical if output as well so that you could have analog video going to your RGB monitor, but still digital audio going to your uh, sound system. But, you know, there's a lot of... those are. that's a long wish list for one developer trying to you know, toe the line, so we'll see if all that comes out. But, uh, for now, I'm just going to be enjoying my Game Gear ROMs on this and um, and kind of see what comes next. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much for everybody who watches and listens and to everybody who participates in the comments and keeps it civil. I always appreciate that. Uh, and I'll see everybody next week.